Welcome, Rams fans, to the latest episode of the 11 Personnel Podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Rich Hammond, Rams beat writer for The Athletic, joined in a minute here by a very special guest, and you all know what we're going to talk about, so we don't need to uh, beat around the bush at all. We're going to be talking about logos, we're going to talk about uniform, and if we're going to do that, I thought, who better to bring in than the most stylish guy I know, always crisp, always clean, J.B. Long, Rams play-by-play radio announcer, ESPN Radio 710, Pac-12 Network, Rams Revealed podcast. J.B., how's it going? Rich, when you first started that introduction, I didn't think there was any way you could possibly bridge that gap from where you started (laughs) to where you landed. Um, None of it is true, of course, but kudos nonetheless. uh, Your podcasting (laughs) skills precede you. And of course, I came prepared as well, believe it or not. Okay. I come bearing gifts. Okay. Um, one you'll have to wait until the end of this podcast for, at least until you get rid of me. But I thought I would I would open with an, a haiku and close with a haiku, Ooh. given our, our mutual affection for such poetry. Yes, Are you ready? I am ready. Yes. So to you, Rich, here we go. Thanks for the invite. 11 personnel pod, always in my ears. Wow. That's that's great. We we should put that on our uh, on our iTunes page. Yeah, I think. feel free to, uh, to use that, that as awesome. a comment. But uh, and also <laughs> thanks for bringing me in on the back of uh, Tom, who has this exclusive interview with Stan Kroenke, and you're talking about you know right. SoFi Stadium and esports and all these other like high level things, and then you just mm-hmm. kind of drag me in off the street, off of my quarantine, to talk about I'm sure logos and uniforms and. Yeah, well, so we save the big stuff for yes, you, yes. you know, the li- little stuff like SoFi Stadium and, uh, you know, billion dollar decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we push that off on somebody else. But uh, but before we get going here, uh, JB, you know, it's we do want to have fun, uh, you know, tough times. Everybody's not doing what they want to do right now, uh, even if you're hopefully healthy and and doing well as, as you can financially and everything else, you know, we're all, we're all having some tough times here. So, mm-hmm. you know, JB, I know it's, it's impacted you too. Nobody's able to do exactly what they want. Uh, I know, I know you got a couple of real little ones at home too. How, how are you doing first of all? And, uh, and how is everything uh, at home and, and are you able to get some work done and follow free agency and, and all that good stuff? Well, thanks for starting there and, and for this great platform to kind of uh, spill my thoughts a little bit on that. Cause I'll be honest, I, I haven't really come to terms with them at least professionally yet. I don't think, um, fortunately, uh, it does come at a good time in my family's life, uh, with my wife on maternity and two boys under the age of four. Um, you know, I, I think I've been a more present father and husband, hopefully, and more productive on the home front. Um, but most importantly, I just want to extend, um, my thoughts and well wishes and blessings on on those who are in in dire times right now, be it uh, physically with their health, financially uh, with loved ones, whatever the case might be, even just dealing with um, forced isolation, which I know can be difficult in a lot of ways. So I wish that I was as creative um, with with my with channeling my thoughts and emotions as some of my other peers have been. Uh, Dave Pash, my counterpart with the Arizona Cardinals, uh, for those who have not read his story about how he's contributed in this era of coronavirus, I would encourage it. Uh, I thought what Joe Buck uh, is doing on on Twitter is pretty cool as well, you know, putting his play-by-play chops to use in creative ways. Um, 
you know, I've, I've kind of been bottled up in that regard and definitely distracted appropriately, I think, with, um, with family priorities. But I do look forward to hopefully brighter days for our community in, in all regards, including athletics. Yeah, no question. And, and I don't think there's any right way to react. I mean, everybody processes things in, in different ways. And, uh, you know, I, I've said it throughout. I know we said it last week. Um, you know, nobody, nobody takes this too seriously in terms of, you know, those of us who work in the media and football and anything else, uh, in the grand scheme of things, it's not real important. And, and I think we all understand that. But uh, if we can some be some kind of distraction or, or some little bit of levity or, or something, I, I know it's it's not much uh, for for people who are going through a lot, but but maybe maybe it can be something even just for a little bit for a day. And uh, that's that's really the best that we can do right now. And uh, I guess no no better pivot point than to talk about the fact that the Rams were recording on on Tuesday night now, and, and the Rams on uh, Monday revealed their new logo logos and their new colors something that we knew was going to happen sooner rather than later things got a little bit sideways because of all the stuff that we've just talked about the plans that they had to reveal uh this stuff didn't didn't quite go the way that they had hoped and uh with with some of the the grander plans that they had for kind of a citywide reveal and uh you know big events and things like that just wasn't practical wasn't feasible wasn't the healthy thing to do so it ended up being an, an online um, announcement on the website with a pretty cool video. Um, so we all know, I think, if you're, if you're listening to this podcast, I assume you're a, you're a pretty uh, you know in-depth Rams fan, and I'm sure you've seen the logo and seen the colors at this point, so we don't need to do a whole lot uh, of explanation. But the, the sketch of it, JB, we got the vibrant uh, blue and yellow. I mean, that was the one thing that was overwhelming people. The one thing people could agree on is that they they did want those colors, and and that's what they got. Uh, a little bit of an updated, again, uh, vibrant is the word I would use. Uh, refresh of of those blue and yellow that we see in the throwback uniforms. So excited to see how those look on the uniforms and on the all the digital platforms that they're going to have. Uh, it should really be something. The logos. A little more mixed, I'll be honest. They presented two of them. One of them is the primary logo uh, that people had kind of become accustomed to seeing in the last couple weeks, at least a version of it. Um, and then the other one is uh, called a secondary logo with the ram skull, head, whatever you want to call it, uh, and kind of an updated uh, modern look on that. JB, we, we both know how these things go. We've been around sports long enough to know that, that reveals are are not universally accepted one way or the other. We both got a little bit of a sneak peek of it, I think. Uh, I, I at least got a couple days uh, to, to a little bit prepare and do an interview and that sort of thing. How did the reveal go in terms of what you expected it to be? I mean, we all, I think, expected a little bit of backlash, but was it was it less than you expected or more than you expected? Or how did you think the, the whole thing was accepted? Well, I'll do my best to kind of take this in one fell swoop, but please do interrupt me and kind of redirect me as we go here because I don't think uh, <laughs> anyone's thoughts on these matters can be synthesized into one coherent thought, right? No. If, if it's all right with you, just because I think from my perspective, I do know personally some of, not all of the people, who put a lot of um, blood, sweat, and tears into this over the last several years. And my first emotion for them was crushing disappointment that that, th- that their thunder was stolen um, by the leak and an inappropriate, unrepresentative leak at that, right? Um, I can only imagine having 
my work, your work, anyone's work prejudged in such an unrepresentative fashion. Like I, I sincerely hurt for those people. And I think we all stand by our professional product and can live with the results and the consequences of that. Um, but unfortunately that was not fair, nor were some of the other circumstances uh, for various reasons that I think undermined all the really great work and forethought um, that they had put into this. And we'll never know what the reaction truly would have been without that preconceived notion of what was to come, right? And, you know, I, I think the other thing that I would like to say is I have my opinions and I'd be glad to share them with you. Uh, but one thing I'm not going to do here or anywhere else is argue with other people about what their reactions should or shouldn't be. Um, I think the more you understand the context um, and the thought process that went into this, the more profound your appreciation for what was designed and created and will be implemented will be. That being said, this is a form of art. It's, uh, you know, the, the reveal was supposed to give people visceral reactions. And if they, if they were unable to please the majority of people with that first impression, then, then I'm sure that they, you know, wish they could have in some other way, shape or form. So I, I think that's kind of where I would start and I'll just finish on, on a lighter note. Um, I also think it depends who you're targeting and who you're asking, right? Because, um, we'll, we'll get to my thoughts and yours, I'm sure. But uh, I think the most concerning thing for the Rams should be that my mom emailed, emailed me this morning and said that she saw the Rams' new logos online when she woke up, and she really likes them. Um, so I, I love my mother dearly, um, and she's, uh, she's tremendously sharp and in great health um, at, at the, in her late 60s, let's just say generically. But I'm not sure that's who the Rams are after, if you know what I'm driving at. And so you know, those who did did come to this with a, a horse in the race and a desired end result, I can certainly understand and appreciate your disappointment because you, you had certain expectations. But I also think the very nature of rebranding means, you know, whatever entity is out to inspire and capture a somewhat different audience, which is not to say they're abandoning the one that they already have. Yeah, I think it's, that's very well said. And, and I want to put a, you know, capital letter on, on this part. I think we agree. I, I've got no problem with fans being passionate. And uh, it's it's the way that, in large part, I make my living, you make your living, a lot of us do. If it wasn't for passionate fans, uh, we'd all be probably be doing something else that, that we enjoy a, a lot less. And, and the way that fans express themselves a lot is by these colors and, and these logos. It's the things that they buy. It's the things that they wear at the game around their city, whatever it may be. It's, it's, it's how it's their way to, to show uh, their, their love for their team. It's, and it's a big personal investment. So we can, we can, you know, have a little bit of fun with it, but I understand, I, I, I get it that, uh, that it means a lot uh, to people. The other thing is that this this change is scary sometimes, especially when it comes to some of these uh, sporting logos. And I was thinking back over the last little while, just locally here, within the last, I'm going to say, 10 years, maybe maybe a little bit more, but around there. Uh, the Clippers, the Chargers, the Kings, the Ducks, uh, USC football in some ways have all gone through some changes that... And the immediate reaction is kind of like you said, I think you might use the word word visceral there, just kind of like, whoa, you know, this is different. This is not this is not what I'm used to. I've never seen this before. And I don't know quite how to react. And that's I think that's a normal thing. And again, like you said, if it's something 
that maybe they weren't expecting or maybe wasn't exactly what they wanted, uh, you're going to get that strong reaction right away. Mm-hmm. And, and I think everybody expected that. Uh, but the other thing to keep in mind here, and I know I know people are going to get angry when they when they hear this, and that's okay. But you know, we did a poll on on the Athletic LA uh, Twitter account. Just kind of, it, it was worded a little bit more fun than this. But, but basically, the three options were, you know, uh, love it, meh, or hate it. And the love it and meh got about thirty seven percent of the vote. Which you look at it and you go. Okay, 37% is not a lot, but it's also not zero. Right. <laughs> and and that's the one thing I would remind people who who are very, you know, kind of angry and expressing themselves very, very clearly and, and very uh, loudly on, on social media is that it's fine. That's fine if, if you're upset. But also remember that that's not everybody. So that there are some people who actually are fine with it. I, I had a couple of friends text me today who aren't even really Rams fans at all. Who said, "Yeah, you know, it's I don't I don't hate it. It's you know, it's not it's not bad." So you know, if, if people are saying that who who don't even care, um, then you know, you're always going to hear from from the louder elements uh, than than the people who are happy. But well, especially uh, Rich in the, in the echo chamber that is social media, and we're all confined to our digital devices at this point. Like I, I do wonder in a parallel universe if you're able to have a more public, a more in-person launch and celebration the way that they would have originally drawn it up. And you're able even maybe to see these elements the way they're supposed to be viewed on the Oculus at SoFi Stadium, for instance, or on merchandise and really see how it pops under the California sun. Uh, and certainly without, you know, having the, uh, the leaked draft hat uh, bias you against it. I, I think there's a scenario where this has a, a more positive debut. And to that end, I would encourage people to sleep on it. And, and here's where I'll get into my thoughts on the matter too. Because, no, yeah. you know, I'm not going to say I'm, I'm the biggest stakeholder here or, or have as much or more invested than fans do. But to your point about wearing it around town and loudly and proudly, like I'm not sure anyone wears more Rams gear than I do in, in their day to day. And so, you know, I had a vested interest in this too. And when I saw the leaked draft hat, my initial reaction was one of frustration and disappointment, as I'm sure many fans have experienced. And then you know what? I saw the real thing, and I did a 180. And I know listeners will discount this because they say, well, he's just towing the company line, and we know who signs his paychecks. I get that. But I honestly, having slept on it for multiple nights and weeks now, I think it gets better every day. I look and every time I look at it and I, again, I haven't even seen it on my first polo shirt or from the press box at SoFi stadium yet. And I know from having talked with the people that designed it and executed this, that they were trying to do something different than the environment, the ecosystem that most professional and college logos have been created within. We're now in a a 4k HD TV environment where, where how that looks and plays matters as much, some might say more than how it does on letterhead or an email signature. You know what I mean? Yeah, for, for sure. And, and I, I think to what you're saying there, I, th- I think the Rams had two problems here uh, that that might independent of, of whatever the logo ended up looking like. I think they had two problems. One was what you just said, that hat. We've mentioned it a couple times here. And as soon as that came out and it, it didn't come out with any context 
And the Rams felt like, and I understand this, they felt like they weren't in a position to really comment on it because it would have, I don't know what they would have said. The Rams basically would have had to do their whole reveal right then and say, you know, this is what this hat was and and what it was meant to be and and how this logo really looks. And that really wasn't, uh, you know, was something that they could do. So I I, I think as soon as that hat came out, I I don't know. I I think the whole, the the whole well just kind of got poisoned because everybody saw that and just had a just total negative reaction to it. And, And I think at that point, the, the the fans, a segment of the fans, a large segment of the fans, kind of just said, you know what, Ugh, that logo, I don't want anything to do with it, and and they just you know totally just rejected it out of hand, and I, I don't I don't really think that's fair, mm-hmm. uh, but that that that's what happened, and so that that was really out of their control, and and there wasn't a whole lot that they could do about it. The other thing, and I can get your thoughts on this too, JB, is there was a lot of fans. I think we both know this who were very uh, married, very attached to that specific, you know, throwback. We love those blue and yellow. We love that everything about the helmet, about the jersey. You don't need to change anything. I know there were people who were very vocal and saying, why change it? You don't need to change it. Leave it exactly the same. I, I just be honest with you, that was never going to happen. Um, and the, the Rams from the from basically from the day that they relocated here from St. Louis in 2016 had committed themselves to something entirely new. And that was the thought process, you know, new stadium, uh, you know, totally new scenario, new head, co- new young head coach, Sean McVay, just everything was going to be new. So you don't have to like that. It's fine. But you do have to understand that that was that was always going to happen. So I think there was another segment of fans who were just like anything other than the, you know, the blue and yellow that was worn in the 1980s was going to be a disappointment. And I feel bad for those people because that was just never going to happen. They, They have a very specific idea about. Uh, you know, being bold in, in this new era, new stadium. I talked a lot about it with Kevin Demoff in, in the Q&A that we did uh, that's on the Athletic website and, and the app right now it went live on, on Monday. He goes into some detail about this, how, uh, you know, they talked about that, but but it's just it didn't fit the ethos kind of of what the Rams are right now. So I don't know if there's anything you're obviously you're around a lot, JB. Mm-hmm. So I, I think maybe you can speak to that in general, just how it, it, this this is kind of in the context of, of everything that they're trying to do around the organization right now. Yeah, that's well laid out. And, and to that point, I also think it's important to note, I had this thought as you were, you know, delineating some of the other franchises and entities in the Southland that have gone through rebranding and kind of the initial reaction that they dealt with. Um, that made me think like if, if you had put up a similar poll to the one you described, but it was like asking audience members to rank what was most important to them. And this is probably an oversimplification, but if you'll allow it, colors one, helmets, helmets, uniforms two, and then like logo, font, branding three. Like the the choice of those three, which would, which was most important. I don't mean to believe to belittle the the logo unveiling that just happened, nor the reaction to it, but I think that's a clear number three on the list of what mattered most to the fans that I hear from. Am I wrong? 
No, I, I think that's a really interesting point because yeah, let, let's look let's look at it a uh, you know upside down world or whatever you know the <laughs> Earth two version of this where uh, the the logo is just something that that a hundred percent of the people agree that it's a great logo, but yeah, the colors are like you know. Uh, navy blue and some weird looking yellow, you know, and, and then everybody hates those. I, I think the, the backlash for that would have been way more than, right. than the backlash for the, for the logo. So yeah, I, I agree. And obviously we don't know, uh, or at least I don't know what the uniforms are, are going to look like exactly, but Nor do no, I. I, I agree. I, I, I think. And, and the other thing is I'll point out that like, unlike so far, say the Dallas Cowboys, where the logo is literally the helmet, right? You can't separate right. the two. The Rams have been a, a bit unique, and I, I suspect will continue down this pathway where the logo is what it is. And if you look at the team store before or after the logo unveiling, there was a, a really wide variety of logos and gear and colors. It was right. one of the things that I appreciated about kind of being a part of Rams Nation for the last four years. Obviously, they're, they're moving in a single direction now. But my point is that we're kind of assigning a final grade before the term is out, you know, after like the first paper is due or after the midterm maybe. But I, I think in fans' minds, the colors was a huge piece and the helmets and uniforms will ultimately be the final exam. And so until we see it all come together in person at SoFi Stadium, I'm going to continue to withhold judgment, though I, I, I admit I like what they've done so far. Um, I, I like the, the LA being incorporated. I like the fact that they also allowed for an animal logo and the horns to be maintained. Um, but really, in, until you see the helmet and the uniforms, which may or may not even feature the logo, I guess I just don't put as much weight into it as it feels like on social media right now. Yeah, that's we. I think I brought this up last week or two weeks ago in terms of the, the merchandise that's out there. There was a lot of Rams merchandise out there from 2016 to 2019. I think it, I think I brought it up in the context of of the hat, the draft mm-hmm. hat. And I said, look, there's there's a you know like search Rams hats right now, meaning a week or two ago. There's a lot of good looking Rams hats and there's a lot of ugly looking Rams hats, at least from my perspective. Right. So like that, that the same thing is going to happen here. You're going to get some that you go, go oh man, that, you know, that looks good. And there's going to be some where you go, ah, yeah, it's not, it's not really my thing. So as of now we have like, you know, two hats and, and three or four t-shirts to look at. It's, it's going to look a lot different uh, in the future. The, the other thing that I'll be curious about JB is I, I know you gave your opinion too. I, I don't think I really have necessarily, I don't, I don't, I honestly, like, I, I don't have a personal investment in it. Uh, so it's a little bit different for me of the two. I say, I, I do like the Ram head. I, and that's more of a general thing for me. Like, and I've been in LA my entire life and I get it. You you have the L.A., you have the two letters and like every city does this, you know, New York, NY, San Francisco, SF. You want you want to make that a part of your logo. And every L.A. team does it. The Dodgers do it. The Kings do it. The Clippers do it. The Lakers a little bit. They, they have the Lakers script. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily need that, but I understand why from a branding perspective uh, you, you need to have that to show that you're an L.A. team. I like the Ram head, you know, what it represents. It, it tells me what, you know, when I look at it right away, this is a Ram. This is the Rams. This is the team. I, I know exactly who it is, what it is. Um, so I do gravitate that toward that a little bit more, but I would do that, you know, in, in any team, really. The thing that I'll be curious about, 
um, is kind of how this develops because, you know, it, it, it is a business. It is, uh, you know, when you talk about marketing and merchandise and everything else, uh, it, it'll be curious to see how this goes and, and if people kind of gravitate one way or the other and, and kind of how that, that dictates things. The, the Rams have obviously said uh, they plan to use all of these the and, you know, not just one and, and not just one in a certain circumstance. You're going to see a lot of these elements rolled out in, in different ways, mm-hmm. whether it be merchandise or, or you know, gear or uh, in, like you said, in the SoFi, on the Oculus and things like that. So I don't know. Do you, do you, do you think this will evolve at all? I, I think these things kind of tend to do, even even like with the Lakers and some things, uh, maybe slowly, maybe like a barge turning around, but uh, it, it might not be the exact same thing uh, in, in a few years or whatever. Yeah, I don't, I don't have any foresight on that in terms of, of where this is going to go. I, I do think by not just locking into one Pittsburgh Steelers-esque look and logo, they do leave themselves and their fans some flexibility, which is nice. Um, you know, and here's the other thing too is, I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this, I certainly won't be wearing the, uh, the alternative photoshopped various logo suggestions that have come out before and after uh-oh, the unveiling. Uh-oh. I won't be wearing those on game day. But I, I think those are super cool too. Like I, I, I have enjoyed being a part of all this just to see the creativity uh, uh, that's out there and all the great artwork that right. people have come up with. Like I have profound appreciation for all of that. You're, I don't think that they're going to trump what those inside the organization have spent so many hours researching and designing for all seemingly very good reasons. But nonetheless, like... I'm not here to argue with you that yours is better or worse than, and that right. even if even if you could get, you know, a preponderance that that you would then overturn the decisions that's been made. I just like like artwork. I'm not in a seat to tell you what's good and bad, or what you should like or not like. I respect your opinion, just like I hope you respect the fact that I like what's been done here, and I think it will stand the test of time, and I think it'll get better with age. Um, the only thing I tell people what to like and not like are books and TV series. So that's where I kind of save my, uh, my argumentative energies. And podcasts too, right? Uh, I think podcasts, uh, I, I, two great podcasts. Yeah. There's not really room for another, put it that way. Okay. That's, that's good. Um, yeah, I I thought that was very elegantly said there, JB. And and I agree. And it it tied into kind of the the last point that I wanted to make is just kind of our role in it or or my role in it. Look, I I understand. And because, you know, I try to be active on social media and Twitter, especially and, and, you know, talk to fans and kind of get their reactions. Uh, but, but I, I agree. I, you know, I, I'm not there to argue either. And, and that cuts both ways. I'm not there to argue with the fans, uh, but also sometimes that needs to be a reminder the other way. I'm not there to argue with Kevin Demoff either. So I got an interview with Kevin Demoff. I asked him what I felt and still feel like were the pertinent questions about the decision making and why things were done and, and the look and whether he expected backlash and everything else. Uh, I came away fine with that. I, I get the feeling and I understand this to an extent because, uh, you know, we do, we meaning reporters, media people do have access to, to people like that, where fans 
usually do not. Kevin is rather accessible when mm-hmm. it comes to uh, Rams events and things like that. You can you can go up and talk to Kevin Demoff, uh, but but for the most part, on a day to day basis, uh, they don't have that that access, and and we do. So I think a lot of the times it gets projected like. You need to do something. You you need to talk to them. You need to, and and that's not really how this goes. I'm sorry to tell you, I I am empathetic to you know some of the the things that are said and some of the desires, but uh, it's not really my role to sit down and say, you know, Kevin, uh, here's what the fans are saying. Uh, that you know, that's uh, hopefully the the you know the fan groups and and some of the booster clubs and such that. Uh, do a nice job of organizing and do get some of that access. I'm, I'm sure they will make their opinions known, whatever they may be, positive, negative, or whatever. And and that's really the appropriate uh, outlet for that. So uh, hopefully it's it's you know handled in the right way. And and to put a period on it, they 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 know. Okay, they they don't need me or anybody else to tell them. They trust me. They 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 see the same things that I'm seeing. Uh, they read so the the message, whatever it is, good, bad, you know, in the middle, uh, the the message is is being received. So we'll we'll see where it goes. Again, don't be afraid to put your your opinion out there. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. Uh, it's it, it when when we get a fuller look at all of this, it, it's going to be I I think a little bit of a different story. But we'll see. We'll see where that goes. But JB. One tie in here that that I'd like you to to talk to uh, talk about is one of the reasons that the the logo and the logos and the colors were announced this week is the Rams wanted to tie it in uh, with this telethon that that took place on uh, throughout Tuesday. Virtual telethon went went all day basically uh, to support support the uh, United Way Los Angeles Pandemic Relief and the Los Angeles Regional Food Bank, two of the partners that the Rams have worked with. Uh, for for a long time, I, I know you were involved in, in that today. Um, how, how did it go? It, it sounded like it was a, a successful event. Well, a couple of things. One, I wish everyone could see the list of um, Rams internal employees, including staff, coaches, players who participated and who volunteered their time while homeschooling kids, while dealing with elderly parents, while juggling so many of the things that life has thrown at us here in the last few weeks. Uh, kind of put those aside or put those on hold momentarily to hopefully make an impact on a cause that's that's even greater and even broader. So, you know, Johnny Hecker seemed to be kind of out in front leading the way. I know Jared Goff and Andrew Whitworth were very generous with uh, with their personal fortune. And to think that, you know, when all was said and done, like the unveiling or not, the Rams were able to spin this into a positive that hopefully transcends colors and design and ram horns, I think is another great testament to this organization, much as they've done in other circumstances, be it the borderline shooting, um, you know, that game against the Kansas City Chiefs on Monday Night Football that had to be relocated from Mexico that I know Rams fans will never forget. Uh, there's There's been a lot thrown at this organization, and I'll say this to kind of tie it into your thought about Kevin, too. He's got thicker skin than almost any person I've ever met. And one of the things that I enjoy about working for him is that he trusts and he delegates. And Kevin is is brilliant and is a lot of things. But uh, I don't think a graphic designer necessarily is, is one of those things that he holds on to as a calling card, right? So I think this is a, an example of how he trusts the people that he's hired. He empowers them. He delegates. And that includes me. Um, and I'm not sure my debut went over any better than, than the Rams logos did. 
Um, but I, I hope that over the long run, um, that was the right decision for this organization, like so many of the ones that Kevin has made up to and including Sean McVay. Uh, and what he's done in the last three years. Yeah, very, very well said. And and I talked to, uh, we could go on and on forever about about this this topic, but I, I hope people, if they haven't already, will um, go on the Athletic website app, read the uh, Q&A that I did with Kevin, Kevin Demoff, goes into a lot of the planning, the thought process, and, and the execution of that. So uh, if, if you haven't already, uh, check that out, please do. Uh, it's a good time to, to do that, by the way, on, on the athletic, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, uncertainty in the sporting world right now. Obviously we still do have the NFL going on. So, so there is a lot to talk about, but, but if you go over to, if you go to the podcast main page, the, the athletic.com slash 11 personnel, you can actually get 40% off right now for, for an annual, uh, subscription. So a, a good time to jump in. There's going to be a lot going on. Um, not only in the NFL, but but we're still you know we're still going ahead on on the the whole platform. We we still have 400 plus sports writers out there who are, who are generating content in every league. Our, our writers in LA are are coming up with unique stuff, fun stuff, looking back at old games, doing lists and everything else. So uh, really proud of the, of the work that they're doing and, and glad to be a part of that. So uh, go definitely go on over to our to our main page there at theathletic.com slash 11 personnel. And if you haven't joined up already, it, it's a great time to do so. JB, one of the other things that we did recently is uh, just kind of looking at the salary cap situation. And this this is a difficult thing. And it, it ties in a little bit too here to the, you know, the, the, the pandemic and the shutdown and everything else is uh, the Rams have made some moves, but, but people who like to look on these, and by the way, these are phenomenal websites, the, the things like overthecap.com uh, and, and sites like that that track all of these uh, moves and stuff. Uh, but because these signings have not yet been official, uh, they're, they're a little bit behind. And I don't mean that in a critical way. It's just because these numbers haven't been finalized yet. So I, I get some people uh, you know, message me saying, oh, you know, over the cap says the Rams have $18 million in salary cap room left. And that's not really the case. Um, so wanted to run through quickly. The Rams actually, when when you look at some of the moves they made, I, I believe they're going to have to do something to clear some salary cap room at this point j- just to get under that number. Uh, something like a restructuring of a contract would probably be the most likely scenario. There can always be a trade that frees up salary. Uh, but but JB, I know you follow these things closely. Um, it took a little while. You know, the Rams, the first couple days were, were not one of the upfront teams and not one of the teams making some of the first moves. Uh, but in the end, they did re-sign Andrew Whitworth. They did re-sign Austin Blythe. Uh, they did sign Leonard Floyd uh, on the other end there, and then they signed uh, Ashawn Robinson to on on the defensive line. Um, so for for either returning players or additions there, how do you how do you feel at, at this point? We all knew that the salary cap room was probably going to be a little limited. We probably knew that. Some of those bigger free agents, uh, Dante Fowler and Corey Littleton, probably you know might get some offers on the market. Did that go pretty much how you expected, or what did you think versus uh, versus what ended up happening? I think in terms of the outbound names, yeah, if if you had a sense that the Rams were going to have some very difficult decisions to make with 
a homegrown product like Michael Brockers or players that they had had great success with on defense like the other two you mentioned in Fowler and Littleton, I think I would have been surprised if if any more than one of them had returned. And I'm not yeah. taken aback that, in fact, the Rams came away empty-handed. Um, Andrew Whitworth, by all accounts, you know, talking with him and with Sean McVay and then reading published reports, it felt like that was a matter of of when, not if. I can't say that I expected a three-year deal, though I understand, I guess, some of the math and the premise behind it. Um, I also did think, gee, I wonder if Andrew is really thinking about making a run at this, you know, Super Bowl ring and gold jacket that might come with it just to kind of cement his legacy and his spot in the game of professional football. But then also whether his his wonderful wife Melissa signed off on all three years because normally they've been going year <laughs> year to year as as best I can tell. It, it's difficult. I, I think the reality that you're talking about with salary cap uh, plays in here certainly. Um, the other name that I if you mentioned it I I missed it, but I don't think I would miss it would be that of Todd Gurley and kind of the tectonic change that that sure. all entails. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure I saw that one coming, but I. Again, I can understand the dynamic behind it and why um, that was an unfortunate separation that had to occur. Just to, to circle to Floyd, who you mentioned, and, and whether or not he's truly a replacement for Dante Fowler, I think remains to be seen. It's something that I would like to talk more with Brandon Staley about in terms of how he plans to utilize him. Um, but I guess by, by grade so far, by reputation so far, he tends to be a little bit more run heavy than pass productive, pass rush productive than, than Fowler who's exiting. Not to say that that's going to be the case in 2020 with how Staley and the Rams want to use him. Um, and then Ashawn Robinson is intriguing, especially because I think he's just now 25 years of age. So I'm not sure that his best football has been played yet, although, his 2018 season, I think, was pretty strong and then right. had some regression a year ago. So to get him to work with Coach Henderson and see where that dire- which direction they head will be, um, something that I would love to watch during an off-season program that, for the moment, is on hold. Um, but I, I don't necessarily see those as one in, one out, although obviously the Rams have to plug certain holes so that they don't have more needs than draft picks when we do get around to April. Yeah, a lot of it, like you said, is going to depend kind of on what Brandon uh, wants and and how he wants to line these guys up. I had the same kind of understanding there, JB, in terms of Floyd. Uh, I think he's probably seen a little bit more as a Clay Matthews replacement than than he is a Dante Fowler uh, replacement. And and maybe with that spot being more of a Samson or an oboe, or, or somebody like that who can who can claim uh, that spot. But again, a lot can change. The draft could change that. Uh, any any number of things uh, could change that. But yeah, it's funny you <laughs> talk about Todd Gurley. It, it seems like it seems like a year ago that that happened. I, I don't even the, you know the the days are now like months. Um, so I, I guess it didn't even occur to me. I, we did a little bit of an emergency podcast uh, right after that happened. But but yeah, I guess that's technically true. Right right after we recorded the last one is when uh, is when the Rams um, you know decided to cut uh, Todd Gurley. My take on it, JB, uh, and I've kind of said everything that that I think I wanted to say in, in print. Uh, but 
I didn't see a trade is a real possibility there for, for a number of reasons. The, the salary, uh, the fact that physicals weren't going to be able to be taking place during during this time. So uh, it might be hard to do that for a team and who, who doesn't get to you know lay eyes or, or have their doctor look at somebody uh, necessarily. So I wasn't surprised by that. Uh, to me, JB, I, I just, you can go in any direction you want to go with it, but, but I think my, my prevailing thought and my prevailing opinion on this has just been, and I think I've been pretty consistent with this is that I didn't think the Rams could do exactly what they did in, in 2019. And that's not a blame thing. I'm not saying they did something wrong. I'm just saying based on the results and the way that things went, I, I didn't see, I didn't believe that, that duplicating that or, or even trying to just tweak it a little bit was was going to be the answer and, and I thought they either had to make a, a big swing whatever that meant or it was probably just time to move on and I think ultimately that that's kind of where it came down to is uh, you know it, it's a big move it's it's not a move that you want to make uh, it's not a move that that looks great and and I think they understand that but in in terms of not only the finances but in terms of moving forward on the field, I think it's a it's a move that in in this situation in in the real world uh, situation that they they felt they had to to make. So did did anything about it particularly surprise you either in terms of the timing or the way that it played out or anything? Well, I think we've kind of danced around this, but it pertains to this conversation and maybe more to come. And that is the Rams are again in a difficult circumstance with respect to kind of the global condition. Um, Right. I think I think Todd Gurley and his health and, and physicals and all the things that would have gone into maybe putting a trade package together were complicated. I can only imagine, and whether that's uh, you know the case of even getting someone like Greg Zerline you know hammered out in free agency, I'm sure. not sure um, whether the Rams and other teams have questions about that. But that's that's been a complicating factor across the NFL, and I'm not sure it hits you know any closer to home than with the Rams. No, I've been thinking a lot about just kind of the Todd Gurley experience, at least as I went through it since joining the organization. And and this one hurts for all the reasons that you described, and and even all the way down to him being, you know, perhaps their most transcendent figure. I mean, when when my son and I go to the pool, he wants to use the number thirty locker because that's Todd Gurley right. to him. Um, and and so that that hits close to home for a lot of us as fans of the Rams organization and and who appreciated Todd as a person. I mean, you've been there at training camp for a star of Todd's caliber to spend the hours that he does, you know, signing autographs and engaging with the youth through his organizations and his camps. It's been really impressive to see. Um, somewhere along the way, I, I it it seemed to sour, and I don't want to play the blame game here because you know I think Todd as as a person. Um, doesn't deserve that. I know Sean McVay stood at that podium untold number of times and said the right thing and had his players back, like I think very few other coaches in professional sports would. Um, and I don't also blame the media for continuing to harp on what was a difficult issue because they have their job to do too. And I know that there were a lot of competing interests there that wanted to kind of to kind of get the facts from Todd and from the Rams. So unfortunately. Um, I think it had become cumbersome by the end of last season, which is not to say that's why the Rams didn't win the NFC West or make the playoffs. Um, but I can see why to, to end where you started, it wasn't a tenable formula or blueprint for the year ahead. 
And for all those reasons, even though this was a painful pill to swallow, um, I can see why they had to. And I, and I hope it works out for Todd just as much as it does for the Rams. But my goodness, it certainly does leave a void in the backfield. And, and one other issue that the Rams will have to contend with here between now and when they kick off in week one. Yeah, I want to circle back to that in a second. But the, the word that, that I'm just going to come away from from it with is is frustration. I, I think there was just a lot of frustration with everybody. And it's not, again, there's, there's no blame to be assigned. But I think... Uh, you know, I think the Rams were frustrated. I think Todd was frustrated. The fans were frustrated. The media was frustrated because, you know, you didn't, it, there there was a reason why things played out the way that they did publicly. And I've gone over that, you know, countless times. Uh, but, but there was just, uh, you know, just kind of this frustration of, man, you know, everybody knew what it was. Everybody knew how great it was in, in 2017 and in 2018. And everybody loved that so much. And it was so fun to watch and, and then to see what happened last year, uh, for, for any number of reasons on, off the field, whatever. Uh, I think there was just a lot of frustration there. And, And I think if the Rams saw a path to, to, to getting it back, to where it was in 2018 and, you know, before the first half of 2018 or certainly in 2017, uh, I think if there was a path to that, then it might be a different story, but I just don't know if, if it was. And, and I just don't think it was worth the risk of, of trying to do that again and, and hoping uh, that it would work just to break down the financials real quick before we maybe talk a little bit about the depth chart there. Um, had the Rams kept Todd Gurley, they would have been on the hook for a salary cap hit of $17.25 million in 2020, $13.2 million in 2021, $14.2 million in 2022, a little under $11.5 million in 2023. As it stands now, post-cut, he will have a salary cap hit of $11.75 million in 2020, um, and then depending on how things go with him in Atlanta, assuming everything goes to plan there, his contract goes through, he stays on the roster, he makes what he's uh, supposed to make, that salary cap hit in 2021 will go down from $13.2 million down to $5.8 million, uh, which is, you know, still a number. It's not, a, it's not nothing, but, but it's also not $13 million. And then the 2022 and 23 uh, cap figures disappear entirely. So you can certainly see from the Rams perspective when you talk about also the fact that you've got guys like Jalen Ramsey, you've got Cooper Cup, John Johnson, uh, guys like that who are huge parts of this team. And they are going to be due uh, contract extensions very soon. Uh, that factors in and now having a little bit more flexibility there in 2021 and beyond, uh, you're, you're going to see that pay dividends uh, d- down the line. At least that's that's the idea um, anyway. But JB, in the short term, what does this mean? Again, the, the draft can can change a lot and probably will. Uh, but as of now, it kind of looks like the Daryl Henderson slash Malcolm Brown show. Uh, that's what's there. Uh, is that uh, is that what sh- what we should expect? Maybe maybe an addition through the draft. Uh, I suppose there's a chance of of uh, you know one of the lower salaried free agents coming in. Um, I, I tend to think Daryl Henderson is is the guy to watch here. But uh, you, you've seen a lot of these guys. You've seen more of them than I have. Um, so so what's your thoughts kind of on that running back situation going forward here? I would suspect they're going to supplement it. 
And I, I think they'll exhaust every option um, in terms of supplementing it because it, in recent years, the Rams have been the exception, not the rule in terms of how they stocked their running back stable, right? And especially with even who they kept active on game day, uh, right. being a little thin at that position. And without a three down back, at least proven three down back in the league like Todd Gurley to reinforce that group, you know, I have all the respect in the world and appreciation for what Malcolm Brown has done. I have a lot of optimism about, about what Daryl Henderson can accomplish, but I would be stunned to see those be the only two Rams running backs active for most of this coming season, right? So oh, yeah. that yeah. necessarily lends itself to adding running back to the list of draft needs, certainly. I, I would have to think they'll have a very close eye on what else is available in the open market, um, and they'll kind of take it from there. Um but yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a huge void. There, there's no way around it. And you can say what you will about Todd's production and Daryl and Malcolm being better at breaking tackles and more productive in certain metrics, even in the course of last season. Um, that's fine. But um, I think the Rams are going to be looking for running backs for most of this summer. And I don't think they're done yet at that position. Yeah, I, I agree. I'd be stunned if if that's what comes in. I mean, there's no way. There's no way you go into training camp um, just just even with just those those two and maybe somebody who's on the practice squad or whatever. So th- there's John, going to be yeah, something j- there. Even put John Kelly in that mix or whoever you want sure. to, to kind of sure. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Anybody who's kind of one of those depth guys. Yeah, I, I don't think it'll be just just what they have right now. But JB, if if I could, not to I'd put you on the spot with with one guy, but. I think Daryl Henderson is a guy who was intriguing, even going back to, you know, basically this time last year or right after the draft. Uh, a lot of people, you know, looked at his his tape and, and his skill set and were pretty excited. And I think even the Rams coaching staff, you know, talked him up quite a bit. Um, what did, what did you see? It was, it was a weird, let's start with that. It was a weird year for everybody in terms of that run game. And, uh, you know, across the board, the production wasn't what it needed to be, whether it's Todd Gurley or Malcolm Brown or Daryl Henderson or whoever, uh, it, it wasn't what, what it needed to be. But for a rookie running back, I, you know, we saw there, there were times we saw the flashes and you went, aha, you know, that's, that's what they're, that's what they're looking at. But, but the overall impact probably wasn't as strong maybe as, or, or at least as, as pro, uh, prevalent as, as people thought it would be. So um, w- what did you think kind of about the way he developed maybe from the start of the year to the end of the year? Boy, just go back to that first 49ers game and you can almost encapsulate all the highs and lows right there, right? With maybe his most dynamic right. run of the year and then perhaps the most crushing turnover of that game and of that season early in that second half. You know, I wonder what it's like to be Daryl Henderson and to be sharing a room with someone like Todd Gurley and and how that's um, challenging to make your imprint in your first NFL season and whether this doesn't open things up for him to shoulder more of the reps, more of the responsibility, more of the ownership of that position group, knowing that he will be looked to, I think, to be the guy until proven otherwise. Um, I never necessarily understood Daryl as a compliment to Todd, if that made sense, in terms of how they'd be used right. in, in an in-game down-by-down structure. I always thought that his skill set reminded me of Todd, just in a smaller body form. And so I I'm curious to see now with Todd not in the rotation, how that translates to Daryl's opportunities and also how they use him. And even in the design of their running game, um, mm-hmm. 
because I think so much of that also has to do with the offensive line. And to bring someone like Austin Blythe back on a, on a renewed contract, that signals to me, and tell me if you agree or disagree, that they envision him as the starting center, which again, for a variety of, of reasons, we don't even necessarily have that answer confirmed or denied or punted until training camp yet. Um, so there's, there's so many moving parts to that equation that I, I all think add up to Sean McVay's maybe number one priority this season is to retool and revamp the Rams running game. He's, he said that to me. I know that that's a priority of his. Um, but, but even if I can broaden the conversation, Rich, not many NFL coaches get this opportunity going into year four to retool things the way that Sean is. Most coaches don't make it past that first or second year, to be honest. Mm. And, and this isn't college football where you can just pay a staff member's buyout and steal them away from another university and add them to your staff. I want to say it was Chip Kelly when he was with the 49ers said this out loud. Don't quote me on it. Um, but I think it was Chip who kind of pointed out the fact that it's difficult to ast- assemble exactly the group that you want in the NFL for any number of reasons. And I wonder if now between years three and four, Sean isn't getting and taking advantage of that to the extent that he's able in any number of ways from hiring three new coordinators um, to, to thinking about how he wants to restructure this running game to prioritize which positions on offense, defense, and special teams the Rams devote their resources to. It seems like from his public comments since, say, December 31st, 2019, he's given that a lot of thought. And because of the circumstances we're dealing with here, I'm not sure. I know you're not exactly sure where things are in that progression, but I know that he and his staff are hard at work at those things behind the scenes. Yeah, the, the way I, I put it in a, in a story, I think it was last month, maybe was uh, Sean McVay 2.0. You know, not not that he is kind of fundamentally changed as as a person or a coach, but uh, just a little bit of the evolution in in the things that you that you're talking about there. Whether it's the the people that you that you lean on and and maybe leaning on, on them in different ways that then you leaned on some other guys, you know, Wade Phillips or, or John Fossil and some of those, and, and not that it's better or worse but that it's different and, and that maybe this situation in uh, this particular year, at this point of, of Sean's evolution as a coach, um, that's what he needs now. And that's what the Rams need now. And, and I don't know if that's the answer, but uh, that's what he thinks the answer is. So, you know, to, to have a guy like that, who's, who's had the success that he's had, I think you have to give him the benefit of the doubt at least and say, all right, this is what he thinks he needs to do. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how it, how it plays out. But yeah, I, I think I totally agree in terms of uh, getting that run game back going. I have so many people, we, we don't need to go out. We can do this on another, the next time I bug you to come on, but you know, I've, I've had people doing radio interviews this week and they always want to take it back to Jared Goff, you know, like, ah, Jared Goff. I said, yeah, you got to remember too, though, that things, these things don't happen in a vacuum. You know, Jared Goff was, was out there with playing against defenses that knew the Rams really couldn't run the ball. Uh, most of the time. And if you don't think that has an impact on a quarterback, I, I don't know what to tell you uh, because it does. So I think that the Sean would be very smart uh, to look at that run game at, at every phase, as he likes to say, and uh, and try to you know make some improvements there. Yeah, you mentioned Austin Blythe. I just wanted to circle back there. You know, we, we had heard uh, at the combine, I think it was, that that Brian Allen, still recovering from that, that knee injury, 
wasn't going to be a part of the offseason program, uh, the on-field stuff. So now, again, this is back to you don't you don't trivialize the stuff, but we we don't know what's going to happen now. The league has already said that the offseason program is not going to start on time. We know that that was scheduled for April 20th. We don't know when it will start. We don't know if it will start. We don't know how that impacts the start of training camp, which is scheduled for uh, late July. So again, I'm not trying to Please don't think I'm trivializing, you know, COVID-19 and saying that it that impacts football. But I'm just saying at some point they're, they're going to have to deal with this stuff. And, and if Brian Allen is in a situation where he really hasn't had a whole lot of practice, he really hasn't had a whole lot of, you know, physical activity with the team, I, I, I think putting Austin Blythe back in there at center makes a whole lot of sense for a lot of reasons. And, and it's one of the reasons I thought that was a, a good move. Uh, to make, but but JB, let, let, let's in here with the offensive line. Uh, the way the way that I put it, I think last week was, I, I think all the puzzle pieces are there. When when you talk about you know going across the line from from Whitworth, uh, Corbett, Noteboom, Allen, Blythe, Edwards, Evans, Havenstein, whoever else you want to throw in there, that, that's a lot of puzzle pieces. Uh, and, and I think the challenge is just going to kind of be how they all fit together. Uh, not only with each other, but but you know, fitting at the best positions, developing chemistry, all of that. I I, I think that's that's probably going to be maybe maybe the the biggest challenge be- between now and the start of uh, the, of the season. Yeah, I would agree, and I also think just realistically, you have to be prepared um, to need more than the five, right? Like the Rams had so much success and were so spoiled because they basically started the same five for two years running as Sean McVay took over here in Los Angeles. And it translated really well. And then for the first half, maybe the first two-thirds of last season, that was not the case. You had new starters at new positions, and it was not benefiting anyone, including Todd Gurley or Jared Goff. But if you look at that that last month of December, when you did have even names and pieces that you did not expect to be active on game day, starting at the same five positions week after week, the Rams got it settled down. They had bad moments, don't get me wrong. Um, you know, Dallas is one to forget, certainly. But if you look at that sample size, Jared Goff's numbers compare very favorably to his peers, his Pro Bowl peers. And so I think yeah. if you can establish some of that cohesion that you're talking about, the right guys in the right roles, even if they're not necessarily the blockbuster names that you're thinking about retooling your offensive line with this offseason – I do think it still has the potential to work and to be productive. Now, is offensive line still a draft need for the Rams next month? Absolutely it is. Um, And offensive line is actually one of those position groups where you can have a rookie come in and make a dent. We've seen it. Um, it, It's going to be tough to get, I think, a ready-made starter at 52 or wherever the Rams start in this coming draft. Um, but offensive line could be a spot, as we saw last year, where a rookie can make an impact and, and potentially crack the starting offensive line. So it does seem like moving forward, they're going to go with you know competitive depth as the solution. But in the dynamic that you just described, where who knows about the offseason program and if or when training camp will get underway, yet another hurdle that Aaron Cromer and Sean McVay and the Rams are going to have to cross. Yeah, for for sure, it's 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 going to be very interesting, and and at least to have those options, and that's why I think it goes without saying. I think, but bringing back Andrew Whitworth, 
that's one position you don't have to worry about now. And, and there's no uncertainty there. There's no chemistry that has to be developed. There's no, you know, learning systems or anything like that. I mean, he, he can practically coach those guys. So, so that's one position that, that whenever, uh, you know, we come back and hopefully, you know, get back to normal, that, that's one thing you, you don't have to worry about. And uh, I totally agree. Uh, I think the draft will, will be a way to, to complement and, and, and add to that. So, I, I hope we get to see it soon. That that's that's my thought, you know, because that'll mean uh, that that we're on the right track as a as a society, and, and that everything's going better. So it, whenever it happens, it'll be something to celebrate. There's there's no question about that. So very very much looking forward to that day. Uh, JB Long, thank you so much. Uh, JB underscore Long on Twitter, I think, is probably the best. A uh, way to keep track of you. You're a big Instagram too guy, uh, guy too, aren't you? Though uh, I don't, I don't know about that. Uh, I, I try. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I do my best to represent uh, the organization and my family as best I can for those who are interested, um, and definitely more behind the scenes type stuff when we are uh, with the group and on the road and playing games and traveling and doing those types of things. So if you'd like to follow along or converse, I always, I always welcome it as I do our conversations. And Rich, you know, I'm uh, a big fan of your work written, uh, audio and otherwise. So thanks for giving me a break from homeschooling among other things. <laughs> well, of course, Ram, Rams radio on Instagram. Do I have that right? Yeah. Yeah. And if you're in, in the podcasting okay. mode, uh, Rams revealed, we have uh, interviews with, uh, all three of the new coordinators. We had Les Snead recently. Uh, lots of good player features that I think are evergreen, even from last season. So, uh, but before I forget, let me let me bid you adieu with a haiku. Yes. Okay. Uh, sheltering at home, thinking of those in harm's way. Here's to football soon. Couldn't say it any better. Were a you per- counting, a perfect were you counting syllables? Because I, I, uh, I, I was trying. I'm, I'm not okay. that. My brain doesn't go that fast. But but, but I think you got it there. We'll we'll fact check you please, uh, please later do. on. And, I, and make I sure am that admittedly bleary eyed and uh, <laughs> and some of my answers and comments tonight. But nonetheless, enjoy hanging out with you. Same, same, my friend. Great job. Always uh, one of the one of the first things that the Rams did when they came back was one of the best things that they did, and that was uh, hiring JB Long as their as their radio voice. And uh, so many memorable calls already. In just a short period of time, you know, every, anytime you hear the one of those great calls from from 2018 and the the Super Bowl and the the NFC Championship game, uh, it's it's JB's voice that you hear, and, and he does a great job of, of chronicling it. So appreciate the insight, and uh, I'm, I'm sure I'll bug you to to be back on at, at some point soon. So uh, thanks everybody uh, for listening. Really do you know at the end of the day. Uh, appreciate the the fun and the debate. I hope everybody takes it that way. Um, again, and with everything that we're going through, we can't take anything too seriously. But uh, spirited debate always good. Always make your feelings known. You can always vent to me at rich underscore Hammond on Twitter. I'll try to be nice to you. I usually succeed. Not always. I'm sorry, but I'll but I'll do my best. And uh, thank you for listening, everybody. Thanks for all your great reviews on uh, iTunes and such. We do appreciate it. And of course, the content will keep coming. Uh, Pretty soon, we'll be pivoting to the draft. We'll talk about some of these positions in need and where the Rams might go with with their draft picks uh, in April. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Stay safe out there. Be well. And we will look forward to talking to you again very soon.